0: Welcome. I'm here today with Susie Taff, who owns a business called Missy Massey. Welcome, Susie. Thank you, Karen. So excited to be here and chat with you. (laughs) So just let me read a little bit about your background. You say, my mission is to find pain points for women and to solve them. Petty Pants Underwear is your first product and you've creatively engineered from your background as both an engineer And a maternity clothing manufacturer. They're designed to take away the pain and shame of chafe. It's an ugly word, but a common problem. And this is just the first of many products that you plan to create for women as tools to make them feel amazing in themselves every day. That's a pretty huge thing. We all know about chafe in an Australian summer. You can't wear a dress because everything chafes, doesn't it? So, Before we go into that, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you end up doing what you're doing? What happened? Well, I suppose
1: we'll start right at the beginning. I did engineering at uni out of suggestion from my school. I didn't love it, but I was a bit stubborn and I refused to back out after I'd done two years, like nearly every single friend I had. And so I knuckled down and finished the degree. Basically, after that, I um, did a Master's of Finance to try and shift out of engineering. but here comes the jump from the Masters of Finance, I did a subject in international business that launched me into a career of maternity clothing manufacturing with my sister. So that was a really (laughs) random segue as one does. And at the time, it probably does link a bit to what I'm doing now, because maternity clothing, at the time we were both in our 20s. So we were young, we'd never been pregnant, but we were looking at the maternity clothing that was on offer. And it was so dowdy and boring and it was just like who would want to wear that so we basically designed for a young fashion sort of like um style and then adapted it to make it maternity so the point being that I've always been quite creative in adapting clothing to solve a problem so that was to solve a baby bump so and also to solve it changing over nine months so quite I suppose the engineering comes into that as well because it's all like problem solving and construction and how do things fit together, etc. So it's a bit like then I jumped into back into the engineering because of the GFC hit. So clothing is an obviously a, a, a maternity clothing is a luxury item, so that was not sort of really a viable business anymore, or the wholesalers were shutting down, and so engineering at the time was having a gas boom, which you wouldn't think engineering and maternity clothing manufacturing go hand in hand, but it was construction. So really, if you're constructing a gas plant or you're constructing a maternity dress, the two really are very similar. In fact, the maternity clothing is harder because it has um, to fit a body, whereas gas piping is all like 100 mil, 50 mil, like going into very basic sizes. And the I suppose the designs for it are very similar, uh, simple and basic. So the skills transferred over really well. What happened then was I had three kids And then me and my husband at the time separated. So that was six years ago now. And I was left with three kids, age five, three and one. And I was a single mom. So I couldn't continue with the um, BIFO engineering, which is fly in, fly out, because our rosters, my rosters for some of the construction projects were 28 days on, seven days off. So even a two week on, two week off would be really hard with kids that are five, three and one. So in 2008, when I was transitioning from maternity to engineering, I at the time was wearing skirts and dresses and really loved, wanted to look that feminine sort of look. I had been wearing a lot of pants, et cetera. I was changing my style. I think I was evolving in my late 20s. And I found that you can't actually wear a skirt and dress without your legs running. So that beautiful, flowy, floaty sort of look that you're trying to achieve was was met with like grating raw thighs completely ruining the ethereal sort of like vision that I had in my mind <laughs> so I just pieced together a pair of basically at the time they were really rudimentary they're a bit like a stocking legs with lace top and lace legs and I thought that would do and I used to and I used to wear them over my knickers so that I just so my thighs wouldn't touch but it didn't feel like I was wearing much just really light so now we fast forward back to single mom, three kids. And I was like, right, okay, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something I'm super passionate about. So I'm going to bring my product, Petty Pants, which I've called them, to a commercial scale. So make that my job because I sort of was trying to take a step back. And I was also trying to take control of my life. Like what is going to make me happy? Um, really had to look inwards. A divorce will do that to you. <laughs> Definitely. Um. really look inside yourself like, because one good thing I learned through the divorce was it takes two people into a relationship to equal any outcome, good or bad. So yes, one person might leave, but the other person is 50% um, responsible for how you got to that place. And so I, from that, learned that I need to take accountability for myself. And through that, decided to do something, hey, I'm going to make my life awesome. And with manufacturing, you get to travel and there's fabrics. My product is just one product, but you're still at the fabric markets and you're exposed to all the prints and the colors and the different styles and like all of that. Like that to me is just so creative. And there's so many ideas that you could do, but just baby steps, baby steps. It was going to be my passion and helping women to not have that pain and to be able to actually feel the ethereal vision of the floaty dresses and skirts and. And because it truly is on a hot sort of summer day, it is, you don't feel great at all if your legs are being grated together and red and raw at all. So if I could take that away, then instantly how you feel about yourself is going to lift. So it sort of was like, yeah, combining my want to help other women not feel that pain along with my love of fashion and travel, not so much travel anymore, but (laughs) was how I sort of ended up where I am.
0: So with the fabrics, because one thing, they're not like spanks, are they? They no. because I find spanks really hot. Like I can't wear them on when it's any kind of like in winter if I want to stay warm, I'll put on a pair of spanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> they just keep you really warm. So hot. Yeah. So you couldn't possibly wear them in summer. How do they differ to what spanks are? So basically, if you sort of looked up to the light, they're nearly sheer.
1: They're sort of sheer. So even though they come in colours, if you look up to the light, they're quite a thin fabric, a really super thin, stretchy nylon. And then what I made sure was from my research with women, because my first initial thing, this isn't a problem for me, but a lot of women get thrush if they don't have cotton, like natural fibres. So there is a huge cotton panel in there so that no part that is touching the female area is synthetic. So it's sort of like a combo. And that's where I think they differ a lot to other products, which seem to be all synthetic and quite thick. At the time, none, no products existed, but there have been a few that have come to market
0: since then. So with all the, of these products that you're doing and it's, you talk about wanting women to feel amazing about themselves, where does that come from?
1: It's a combination of my lifetime and you, I suppose it's the way we brought up. I think the generation now is starting to get a lot more body-positive love your body exactly as you are. I think I've been through a, a range of ways with my body, sort of in my tween years, being a bit overweight. I mean, you look back and you weren't at all, but you think you are. And then in your teen years, you're doing so much sport and you stick thin. Then you, Anyway, I think it just goes from having fluctuating weight, but always a constant obsession with my body. And it was like, I suppose, how can I separate that out And instead of being obsessed with it or fitting into that or wearing those things, and it's to do with the shame, I think. chafe caused shame. So if you take it away, then you remove that feeling from you and just normalize it, I suppose. Normalizing. So other areas that I want to help women get confidence in. So another big pain point for women, I think, is going to the beach or the swimming pool and being, it's having the confidence to Either Like I, I've been through a whole range of sizes, especially post-pregnancies, et cetera. And I know for a fact that I have stayed out and not been in my togs and stayed out of the water covered up because I was so unhappy with how I looked so I would love to create products that help women have the confidence so maybe so what would it have been that I would have needed to get me into the water and into togs so for me being a pear shape I think a little wrap skirt or something maybe in a in a swimwear fabric or something that is a bit covering but not I think board shorts are often worn by women but they are the really bad cut for women so they don't look good and I feel like I'm a bit of a fashionista too. If it doesn't look good, I'm not going to feel good in it. And I'm, not, I'm not functional, not practical. <laughs> that's my aim is to really look at areas that where women need a bit of extra confidence to help them out and create tools, I suppose, for their toolbox to help them feel amazing. So that's sort of the physical tool that you use to help them feel amazing. And then I back that up with lots of, I'm writing lots of blog posts and articles and stuff to back it up from the mental mindset sort of background. So My favourite mindset um, tip at the moment is, what would your 80-year-old self say? Say you're you're having a bad, oh, look at that, oh, there's grey, there's a wrinkle, there's a something. You fast forward and actually sit there and pretend you're talking to her. What would your 80-year-old self say? She'd go, what are you talking about? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. It's fantastic. Look, (laughs) you're standing on your two legs and they work. Like, go for it. Do you know what I mean? That's my number one hot mindset tip at the moment. So
0: this can't have been easy. Like when the when you made that decision when your husband left and you're like, crap, now what? I can't go back to work. And you made that decision. Tell me about first of all the process that you went through mentally, but also the actual physical process that happened from there. Because I'm quite sure it wasn't all plain sailing, because I know <laughs> how these things go. <laughs> D- definitely not.
1: The actual when he left wasn't the worst part that was okay it was what happened later because then he was actually still well set up he was sort of going to provide for me and the kids it was all great it was a fast forward about six months later when his company went bankrupt and so I remember the day he told me and I was like right okay you need to make this a reality and you are going so I sat down at the computer I still had our frequent flyer logins And I went, right, okay, I'm going to do this. And I logged on, (laughs) took all the points, (laughs) booked three trips over to China to do the sourcing and the creating. And I was like, I booked three trips for the year over there. And I was like, I don't know. I just, there was in me, something was like, you have got to make this work. And obviously it actually, that was 2015. So it really didn't totally take off until last year. 2020 was when I could actually make it my full-time job. So I did have another job. I took a a job just doing some accounting work in a really flexible um, environment. So that would allow me to look after the kids and do this business as well, do it on the side. So I just kept, look, and there was some huge tears. There was big tears. (laughs) There was lots of tears. There was one little thing I think I'd had, I see a psychologist regularly because I think everyone should, but she said, as long as you can just make one step forward, eventually your trajectory will change. So it was just in my head, no matter how small it is, just do one little thing. No matter how small it is, just do. And some days you do big things and some days you could barely do anything. But even just in my mind, staying positive about the future was that one little thing. So just, I think just one, and having a trust that, I did have the trust the universe had my back. <laughs> I was like, this has to work. It's for the benefit of so many women. I think there's so many women that need this help and need to hear that there's nothing wrong with them and that this is really normal. and and look, here's something you can make it go away and then feel good about yourself. It's that heart-based mission, I think, to me, it just had to work.
0: <laughs> so had you been doing a lot of personal development work before this? Or was it just like you found yourself right smack in the middle of it and you went, I need to, some support to this? <laughs> no, about a year before we actually split up,
1: we were on the rocks. Like He went on a trip. We had three young kids. We'd had three kids under three and three months or something. So that was a lot of kids. I'd managed the two, the first two by myself. I was fine. I was just sort of that person that, oh, just throw another one on there, throw another one on there. And by the third one, I needed help. But we didn't have a, we weren't set up that he knew that how to help me basically, I think. And so when I started saying, hang on over here, over here, I need help. He was like, "What? no, no, he didn't know, he didn't, he didn't know how to help basically. It was not part of the training. He was like, no, I work, you do all of that. (laughs) And so I had started with, I saw a spiritual counselor about every two weeks and she helped me to work through a lot of the, I suppose it's nearly like stereotypical thoughts that you might go through when you're getting divorced with young kids. And it was sort of basically the first thing that came up was like, oh, the kids, they, they didn't sign up for this. They, well, How are they going to be? This is going to ruin their lives. And the thing she said to me was, and this is quite spiritual because our belief system is that children choose their parents and they choose the experience from a soul place before they even come here. So that is pretty deeply spiritual. But she said, no, they chose this experience. They chose to have this experience with you. They chose you as your parents. All of this was known. They chose to be parents of, divorce. I mean, children of divorced parents. And so... Well, I suppose whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. does it? It's a belief system. If you believe that, then that's your belief. It is true if it's your belief system. So I chose to believe that. And so it just, it also, and she also helped me with the 50-50. So you both did, like you did 50% of the work to get you here. He did 50% of the work to get you here. It doesn't matter who leaves. It's both of you are responsible, basically. So, and I really love that because it snaps you out of victim mode, and puts you into, I'm in charge of my life, and I'm the one that gets to create that, however that's going to look. So I had probably nearly fortnightly, I think it was nearly fortnightly sessions with her for nearly a year before we broke up. So by the time it actually happened, I was at acceptance, and I was completely okay with it, and yeah, I can manage. It was the bankruptcy that threw the (laughs) curveball. Sort of, but they were always nearly going bankrupt and they always managed to manage, if that makes sense. Because it's high level construction. There's so much in, so much out, rolling thing. It's just, it was, that's just how it was. That was our life. But so it wasn't, I didn't see it coming. It's just, it had always been coming. I, I just didn't expect it to actually come.
0: <laughs> so then when you decided to actually move forwards with the business, what did you do? So you booked three flights over to China. <laughs>
1: Yes. And I remember um, I watched that movie on the way over, Joy. You know, the one about the the lady who's very similar situation. She's a single mom. I think she's still supporting the ex-husband. The parents live with her and she creates the mop. She creates the automatic mop. Anyway, it's a fantastic movie, basically about a woman with an invention and the tears were just streaming down my face. I was like, oh my God. And then I was also, I was like, what am I doing? It felt that first plane trip over, it felt like I was jumping off a cliff and I had no idea how I was going to land. I had no idea if I was going to land, if I'd be caught, if I'd go splat because um, that was 2015. So I hadn't been to China for about seven years. So I kind of was running on, I did know it quite well when we used to go there a lot. We had an apartment there, but I was running on memory. I was running on, oh, I think it was there. I think I go there. I think I do this. And so it was really a lot of, I suppose you can do it. Come on. We don't know. We just figure it out. We just get there and we'll figure it out. We're just baby steps, first step, fabric markets. We'll find the fabric. Okay, let's just start there. Let's just see if we can find what we need. <laughs> and I just had to take it in really small chunks, really small chunks. And then I think while I was over there and then I had to design packaging and all sorts of stuff, obviously being a one-man band, pulling out the Photoshop, trying to remember how to use that. <laughs> and I just did it in really little increments, I think, as a because... Pro- I think if you look, if I look back, I probably would have been, that would have been too overwhelming. And I had a real drive into me that I have to make this work. Otherwise, it's FIFO engineering. You'll never see your kids. So I think the underlying um, desire to create this life where I can spend time with my kids, I get to create things that help people, like the, the desire to actually get there was quite strong.
0: So that was 2015 when you started that. What happened between 2015 2020? <laughs> <laughs> <used> well, <laughs> well, we had a
1: bad lot come. So um, one thing that I hadn't ever come across in my, and I, I manufactured for, I think, six years was a bad quality thread. So everything was made perfectly and then put under pressure, that, or the seams just all split. So by the time I worked through that, so I had one bad lot of stock come and it was quite a large order. So I had to work through that with them and then waiting for them to find like the f- factory. It's all China stuff. Tough Stuff takes so long over there. They don't operate like we do here. It's sort of, I don't know, <laughs> it's an interesting way to do business. But I ended up having to find a new factory. I got my next lot of stock landed in March 2019 and then 2019 You'll never guess, but I had faulty stock again. (laughs) But this stuff could be fixed. So I actually got it fixed at the Gold Coast by a lovely girl. A lovely girl fixed every single piece. We pulled every single piece out and reinforced the hems on every, like all of the stitching on everything. So I was working my job. By this stage, my credit card debt is through the roof. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, how am I surviving? Lucky I had that other job because I'd be like juggling and juggling and juggling. And then August 19 was when it sort of did a bit of a launch, and then it got really big in 2020. So, August, 9, I kept my other job until the end of last year.
0: So, when that first batch came to you and it was faulty, how much fabric was in there? And did you have to buy the fabric again, or did they buy the fabric? Like, how did that go?
1: No, I, I bought everything again. In China, there's like, I know people say you can have a contract and it just doesn't work that way. You would spend, so, you'd spend more money and you probably get no chance The language barrier is really high over there. It's not like other Asian countries where they mostly speak English and especially back at the time, their English is, it's getting a little bit better now with WeChat because WeChat's an app that you can use like WhatsApp with a translate button. So just general communication. But the the English levels over there are really, really low. Yes, so I bought it all again. (laughs) I paid it all again. That was interesting. I still have some of that. (laughs) I don't know what to do with the original stock. I think I donated some, but... You can't really do much with something with faulty stitching. So I did a lessons learnt and I do now have a fantastic factory, which is actually, they're Australian Chinese. So I think that they just, it just shifts a bit of that cultural way they work to more a skewed Australian wise. So it's just easier. How did you go about selling the stuff? Is it online? Is it in shops? How do you sell it? It's online only. From my experience in maternity clothing, I used to do wholesaling to shops and especially I think with the GFC and there were just little boutiques and we had so many bad debts mount up on us that I've made a choice just to be online only because I just hate being a debt collector. I hate bringing up and having to find people in their most vulnerable and when they're having a hard time and and, and badgering them for money. It's not something that is going to make me feel good. So I've chosen not to do that purely to lift up and just keep it at keep it up, up, up in high vibration. So online only. And I've found the best way to get the information out there is through influencers because I find influencer marketing, especially like, I mean, authentic influencers, not the, not the posy pretend ones. I mean, the ones that actually are real, real women with real lives, because I think it's a really feminine way to market. I think um, you know, you're not being sold because people have built up a reputation with that person and the influencers I use genuinely love the product. So I think when you put that, that genuine authenticity into it, you're only going to find the people that you know need it anyways. So, and I also made at the same time, actually, no, this was actually through an issue I had last year it was one, one, one piece of stock that I had reordered came back faulty. So I had all these people saying they're falling down. They're not working. They're not working. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, and this was the same colour on the same fabric swatch that everything had been made but there was two, it was a nude colour. Two had been made, one had been made in one that you could not, the, I could not tell the difference between the two fabrics and one worked and one didn't. It was just amazing. But from that what I did was I, I created a very quick customer service policy <laughs> in that <laughs> the customer is always right and you do whatever it is, in, I do whatever it is in my power to make their entire experience Make them feel good. So it's the listening to them at the beginning. It's a listening if they've got concerns. It's a how can I help you achieve like a happy feeling from this? It's not just about a product. And I think that I think lots of businesses are going this way where they're making it a 360 degree sort of experiential sort of business. You're not just one product. It's about how did I make you feel when you. When you emailed me and asked me about sizes, how did I make you feel when you had that problem? How did I make you feel when I I had a mistake maybe? Like it's all about making people feel amazing, not just through a product but through the whole experience.
0: Which is, I think, is the way forwards, isn't it? Because traditionally it's wait for the customer to come into the shop and complain and then maybe do the right thing by them but sometimes not. Yes. And I think as women, as we step into our power, we're all going, hang on, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you treat me yeah. how I'd treat you. And exactly, I think that's one of the changes. And that's possibly why influencers and content marketing in particular work, they're necessary now because people want to know how other or women in particular and and I'm talking particularly from my age group we'll listen to somebody rather than we'd rather have a friend tell us this was really good than watch an advert and then go out and buy something yeah yeah because then you don't know if it's a fit for
1: you usually influencers that you align with are very like you they have similar like they might have kids they might work that do you know what I mean they have you usually align with them for a reason. So if they like something, it's a high chance that you probably uh, will like it as well because you align to a lot of their values already, which is why I find it so lovely and feminine, the authentic ones, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a few. And because I've I've got a highly curated feed as well of all, and especially being my message being body positivity, body, body confidence, um, inclusive, inclusivity, so my feed is very filled with that, but sometimes when I I go down the suggested section and I end up in like like I don't I don't know even what you call it, but like the super thin models with all the dripping with the brands and the money and the boats and the, and I'm just like whoa, <laughs> get me out of there! <laughs> it's like quick, no, unfollow that. <laughs>
0: And that to me, you know, I hate to say this, they all look like clones to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just look different colour hair with different dresses on. Yeah, because they've all got the same fillers and the same Botox and the same nose jobs and the same hair yeah. extensions. So. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh,
0: okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that this hasn't been done before?
1: I think I know that they're saying that the females are awakening, the feminine is awakening. I think it's just, I think it's actually probably like just stemming back from 50s, 60s, 70s, just the eras that we've grown up in and I think we have lived in a very masculine dominated um, life, like just um, lifestyles and, and how we live has been very masculine. And I think it's just flipping a bit. I think I saw what I see somewhere on there. More women are getting divorced than ever. And in some it's because they're not being forced to stay in the marriages. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think women are, are taking back their power and, and with a part of that is, like I saw recently a magazine that had all of this bot it was shaming celebrities in swimsuits and it's just blown up over Instagram because they were like how is this still being printed like the comments were I'm talking about Jennifer Aniston eating too many burritos it's like leave the poor girl it was I was like everyone was in shock it was I cannot believe that something like that is still printed and I think that um, a lot of marketing has been by huge marketing houses that are run by men and so I think that um, women are starting to say actually stop feeding us that stuff that's like that's not a don't critique someone's body anyway but you're the ones feeding us all of these thin unachievable they're not actually healthily attainable bodies as well it's actually to look that way is most of them are starving themselves so and I think there's so many women are just coming up like it's a bit of an uprising of no that's not normal and it's taking a huge number of women to actually get regular women to say, actually, maybe I am normal, just as I am. Maybe I'm. Maybe there's actually nothing wrong with me. Maybe it's just what I'm being fed in the media. One thing I love at the moment is looking back on all the um, like Renoir artworks and looking at all the bodies in the Renoir artworks. They he obviously depicted them as things of beauty, and they were voluptuous and had hips, and they didn't have flat stomachs, and they didn't have thigh gap, and. I think it's just been in the last, what's that, 200 years probably, not even, sorry, that's not even, it's only been the last century where like Twiggy and the thin look came out and girls looking like boys and having no hips and all of that look became popular. And I think people are just saying
0: that's not realistic. It's interesting you're saying that before I had the kids because I was a synchronised swimmer. So I did an ad in the UK, which was great. And then when I came over here, They came down to our synchro club and they asked, they wanted some girls to do synchro to advertise a pair of tights, which is still going today. So I'm not going to say which pair of tights it was. (laughs) We all had to line up and everything so they could look at our legs. Now, I think there were five or six of us and all of them, apart from me, had either been at nationals, Commonwealth Games, Olympics, World Championships. You know, they were all international level swimmers and they said no to all of us because our legs were too big. It's like,
1: these are in international <laughs> athletes, you know? That's what they look like. <laughs> if you're, if you're we actually have band. legs. That's what they look like. Exactly. I know. And I think that that's exactly it. Is People are saying, but these are just legs and they're legs that do very good work internationally in and an internationally recognised for their work. Why is it your place to tell us it's wrong? And I think that's what the influencers are doing and especially the ones that are normalising cellulite, stretch marks, um, uneven skin tone. Like I have the whole shebang and I definitely want to, <laughs> as most women do is the point. Most women do and the other ones it's blessed and we should wish them well. But do you know what I mean? Like it's normalising that that's what a normal body looks like. And I think women are the worst. I don't think men like our like husbands and boyfriends and things like that, I don't think they actually care truthfully. I think it's all in our heads.
0: No, I said to my husband the other night, I said, oh, my God, I've been tucking into the chips for the last few weeks. don't know what's going on, but I've been tucking into the chips. And I said to him the other night, oh, my God, I'm feeling so fat. He went, you look really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Up here. It's all in our heads. It's all in our heads, isn't it? But going back to what you were just saying then about accepting our bodies as they are. I've had four kids I've been fortunate enough that because I did so much exercise my stomach stayed flat and and what have you but I've got the baby bulge you know which is just the skin from where I got pregnant you cannot get rid of it and Kira said oh but you see all that." this is my uh, second daughter no my eldest daughter my third child She, she said but, you know, you see all these celebrities and they've not got any of that, well, that's plastic surgery, darling. Yes. That's not how it goes. Nothing yeah. is the same. <laughs> when you've had children, she's like, I'm never having them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And you do
1: have to change the narrative a bit because even I know I've got the pouch too. Um, and I'm lucky I've got a long body. So my stomach's relatively flat as well. But I definitely have the pouch, and it is changing the narrative and I was mm-hmm. I think I was doing something an exercise doing a um I don't know anyway, it was hanging down. I was like it was the instant was oh and then I thought, no, change it it's that's your badge that's your that's your you had three beautiful kids that stomach gave you the three beautiful kids. you should be kissing it, you should be thanking it that it allowed to stretch to to have the baby. so I have to catch myself and I and I don't know if it will be. I think it will eventually train out. I do, but I think, well, I'm 41 now and I've probably thought this way since I was about 15. So I've got a lot of years to untrain. So maybe by the time I'm 60, I'll be all good. (laughs) But you do, you have to change the narrative and and flip it into what is it? It's like the gratitude for what, yes, it looks like that, but what did it give you? And maybe it hasn't even given you anything. Maybe it's just the fact that you can still walk easily or you can go for a walk in the bush or you can go for a swim in the ocean. Like the gratitude that our bodies are not just what we look like but and they're not who we are either as a person they're not who we are like inside and are we kind does it matter if you've got the pouch if you're a really kind person and you make people feel good when you're around them like that should matter the pouch is not is insignificant it's not even a thing the how you make people feel they don't care about your pouch
0: It's quite right and it ties in with what one of the things that I want to do around menopause, which is change the the narrative around menopause because that body image thing and that you've got to be young and skinny and this and that. Mm. So a lot of women look upon getting to menopause as it's the end of their useful life because (laughs) that's what the media and the film industry, TV industry, you don't see older women on there. You're either a young hot person or you're a granny. And there's yes. not many grand yeah. around. Yes, yeah, because, yeah, if they're in that middle age,
1: they're either made to look older or younger.
0: Mm. Yeah, and you see all the bloats, you know, they might be 60, grey hair, you know, rocking it, looking really good, but their wife's 25. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's about in the traditional Pacific Islander cultures and, and uh, Canadian Native Americans, they... Had this thing, this belief that when a woman reaches menopause, it's actually a time for celebration because the woman, instead of giving her energy to raising children and giving birth, she can actually give it to the rest of the tribe. So her wisdom becomes part of the tribe's heritage as opposed to being given purely to the children. So they looked upon it as this time of, yay, here you go, we've got this fabulous resource coming here. It wasn't about how she looked or whether her belly was sagging or anything because, like you say, that was a badge of honour not something to go, oh, my goodness, I need to have plastic surgery to get rid of that.
1: Yes, definitely, and they treasured her mind and all the experiences that she'd cultivated through all those years. So, And I do think, and it's great that some of the Hollywood actresses, the older ones, are sort of trying to make a pave sort of a way to it becoming a bit more normal. I've noticed a few of them doing the grey hair and doing the no Botox and actually trying to show what reality is. And I think there's only a few, but I also think because I suppose we're probably my in the 40s, the, even some of the girls in their 30s are starting, this movement is starting, so I think it will progressively grow. So hopefully by the time I'm in my 60s, 70s, it will be kind of commonplace and just a normal thing. That's what I'm wishing for anyway.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, I hope so. It, it's the Menopause has got to be something that we talk about Like we talk about puberty, it's not that, oh, my goodness, this is something really terrible that we've got to go through because there is a stigma around it. And I was reading an article the other day, more and more women are actually taking their employer to court for unfair dismissal or unfair work practices because their employers haven't understood what happens during menopause. And the changes that they go through, and that's really interesting, the UK are way ahead of us. They actually teach about menopause in school. So, which is fabulous. My daughter was saying the sex education she got at school, and she's only 21, was you and your husband will sort it out when you're married.
1: <laughs> oh dear! I, liked, I paid a fortune for that education. Yes, I think even we had we got a live birth at my in my school <laughs> oh, <laughs> on really? video on a video, not real life, but in video we had to watch a live birth. I think it was a highly religious school, so I think they were trying to scare us out of it.
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yep, was very graphic. <laughs> so, where to from here? What are you doing next after this? So, I do do a web page to go with this podcast and I'll put all your links and information on there. But just tell me about your website, what people can buy from you right now and where you're going. What is it you're going to create next?
1: So I have the the Petty Pants product at the moment, which is they're basically like a bike pant leg underwear with a cotton panel designed to feel like you're wearing nothing. But super comfortable, stops chafe. My mom actually has thigh gap. I didn't inherit that, but she has it and she wears them under white pants to stop VPL. So to stop the cutting in at the back. And for people that don't like to wear G-strings, although apparently I just found out there's quite a lot of women my age that do like to, but I don't know who they are. (laughs) Anyway, so they're on the website. The next product I'll probably do is I'm doing the swimwear, but the swimwear to get the volumes up I need to be a bit bigger just because printing lycra you need large volumes of fabric and I just don't have the capacity for that yet but I want to do um, a soft sleepwear nightie and with a matching like long sort of 1920s 1930s soft gown so I always find sexy nighties or they're always so uncomfortable they don't they cut in and like you know when you have kids you get loose skin so if there's any bit of like sharp elastic like if once there's a bulge, it ain't pretty. So, <laughs> so using my um desire to adapt everything, I want to adapt so the fabric, so everywhere where it sits, there's no cutting in and it's soft and it just flows. So I want to do and they kind of go hand in hand with the pants, so you can wear them to bed with the nighty. And it's sort of sheer but um modest. So the with panels to cover the bits that need covering and sheer bits can be open. So that you can feel a bit sexy and a bit, and then I'm doing a sexy version and a pretty version. And that sort of really like, you know, smoking jacket sort of to the floor gown, like that real elegance bringing, and you'd be buying it to wear for yourself so that you can swish around, you know, swish around the lounge and feeling elegant and beautiful for yourself, by yourself. No one needs to see it, but looking beautiful and feeling amazing as well, like the actual feel of wearing it. So I think that they will be the next product. And then working towards the swimwear covers. I also want to bring my, uh, again, I need volumes so, though, um, bring my pants out in a period version. So um, a period version, that's really important to me, but I'm struggling with um, helping to travel to China to make that happen. Because it's very specific fabric and the Chinese don't wear them, so they don't really get it. So I do need to work on that, but I'm highly passionate about the reusable and and reducing our waste and our our waste footprint. So, and I think for my daughters, I've got two daughters, so as they come through, I think the go is to just teach them to use the the underwear from day dot and they know no different and then we're creating an entire generation that won't have that waste level. So definitely want to create that.
0: Yeah, that'll be fantastic. And I don't know, when you hit menopause, the (laughs) the bleeding is (laughs) awful like that for me it was anyway and I know some women don't struggle with it but some women do but I find a lot of women as they hit menopause they would have to wear maternity pads and I've known women who had to change maternity pad every hour or two it was just terrible (laughs) then you end up yes like iron levels are through the floor
1: and well I I had that post children I know so I know exactly what that is about I actually had to have surgery to stop it from happening because it was so bad and yeah I was constantly in for iron infusions and and it's just so I totally get what you mean and so be able to create something even as the backup for them because I know how debilitating it is you might go somewhere and all of a sudden you go "Uh oh that's that we need it so if you have a double layer backup I get yeah. it. I totally get it. That's
0: it because I remember I was at on a seminar one time and I just like, oh, my God, oh. and I stood up and the chair was just. I know. I, just
1: like, I know. I totally get it. I've been there. <laughs> I've had the, when, and you can feel it and you're like, oh, God, this is going to be good.
0: <laughs> just, oh, it's, oh, it's such a sinking feeling, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting out of this one. <laughs> yeah no wearing any light colored clothes oh no, <laughs> no. And, and loose and loose and loose. <laughs> so on that note yes <laughs> thanks so much Susie i really enjoyed talking to you yes you too Karen Such was well. there anything else you <laughs> wanted to to add is there anything else you want to say I just want women to
1: feel good in themselves and so and I think I think that it will be a creeping effect, I think a bit of an exponential. So if we all start talking, because it will change also the conversations and what our children hear, but not only hear but what they feel, our energy, if we're actually feeling good about themselves, it gives them the permission to not go down the same track we went down and they can feel good about themselves, especially going through puberty and changes and things like that, Um, that's super important. So I think we've just got to be really kind to ourselves everyone speak to yourself in a nice voice <laughs> always and um yeah I think and we can change this for everyone
0: oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you <laughs> thank you Karen hello and welcome I'm here today with Susie Taff from Missy Massey welcome Susie thank you Sharon lovely to be here <laughs> Karen Karen oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! One of those days. Let's start again. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together. Oh god.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay.
0: This is serious business, is it? Sorry. Yes, it is. I'll we'll be doing. I'll be doing outtakes. Okay. <laughs> There's Just too much giggling going on. <laughs> We're the blooper
1: reel. Right.